the relationships that we have are a work in progress. Can we all agree on that? Uh, our relationships are not in their final form yet. We're still under construction. And the good news is that God gives us an opportunity today uh, to uh, add to our relationships in such a way that, that they flourish and grow uh, into something that is beneficial and good and God-honoring. As we look at these ingredients that God gives us to build healthy relationships, one of the first uh, ingredients that we're going to look at is communication. And uh, communication is what we do with our words. Uh, now, uh, always when we talk about communication in relationships, uh, it's easiest to pinpoint uh, what we ought to do in a relationship with our words by pointing out the things that we do wrong, right? And, and, and what I mean by that is it's easier for me to come up with some bad examples of my bad behavior using words in a bad way that tear down my relationships rather than finding those supporting words that will lead us to, uh, to, to grow our relationships. Uh, so today, we're going to not look at personal examples so much as we are going to examine what the Bible tells us uh, about using our words to build up healthy relationships. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, now we're going to go through Ephesians as we go through ABCs of relationships. We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6, the end of chapter 4, uh, all through chapter 5 and chapter 6, because in, in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, we know that Paul is talking to the believers in the church at Ephesus as he's trying to help them in their relationships with one another. And uh, the principles that he applies in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 help us understand how that we can uh, work to build healthy relationships in our relationships with one another. So as we look at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 over the next several weeks, we're going to pinpoint certain aspects. Today, it's communication. And we're going to look at that very familiar verse uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29, the apostle Paul writes, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may give grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth except what is good for necessary edification that it may give grace to its hearers. As we look at these words from God's word, we see uh, that the principle that Paul unleashes on us first and foremost in the big picture of, the, of this verse is that God uses our words to build healthy relationships. God uses the words of his people to build healthy relationships. Now, the negative is also true. Uh, we can use our words to build unhealthy relationships. We can use our words to dismantle healthy relationships. So as we look at this, this verse, as we pick it apart a little bit, we're going to see how that we need to avoid 
tearing down our relationships with our words and how that we need to employ using the words God gives us to build healthy relationships. Now, I need to say this, okay? I need to say this. Uh, This only works if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, There are principles that apply no matter what, but the power of our words uh, really (laughs) builds healthy relationships when we are followers of Jesus. And as a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God will use our words, as we see, to empower our relationships, to build them up to something strong, uh, something healthy, something flourishing, something vital. Um, So today, as we look at these uh, next uh, few points, we need to understand that, that as a follower of Jesus, God expects us to submit our words to him so that he can use our words in every relationship that we have to build it up into something healthy. Now, note that I didn't say in our relationships that, that healthy relationships is determined when both parties are followers of Jesus. It certainly helps and it certainly makes a difference, but the principles that we're looking at is not how others should be talking to us, but rather how we should be talking to others, okay? Uh, It's easy for us uh, to highlight how that uh, someone at work with whom we have a relationship, someone we work with who doesn't know Jesus and who uses their words in an abusive way or a sarcastic tone tears down the relationships. And, and it's easy for us to look at them and say, they're the reason my relationships are out of sync. But what we find in Ephesians 4, 29 is that the responsibility begins with us as followers of Jesus. That as followers of Jesus, filled by the Spirit of God, uh, receiving the grace of God, we are called uh, to uh, relate to that work partner, that person with whom we work, in such a way that we build up the relationship even if they're in the business of tearing it down. That our words, God holds us accountable for our words. Now, as we look at this passage, I want us to take note of of some other passages in Scripture that help us with communication. And again, as as, uh, you look at the devotions this week, you're going to see a lot of other references uh, to our communication and the words we use. But one of the passages that, that really sticks with me is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And what that means is a wholesome tongue, a tongue that is, that is made whole by Jesus Christ and bringing us into a relationship and a friendship with God, he makes us have the opportunity for words that are whole, that are, that are life-giving. And God gives us these words so that they become a tree of life in in our life, in the life of those with whom we have relationship. Our words, God uses them in such a way to build up our relationships so that they're healthy. All right? 
So let's look at Ephesians 4.29, understanding that a wholesome tongue, and that's our, that's our goal, right? Our goal is to have a, words that are full of life, words that impart life and wholeness and health into our relationships and, and into others, okay? That's our goal as followers of Jesus, So as we understand that, as we understand that this is the way God has set it up in our lives, that we have a responsibility as his people to speak wholesome words, regardless of how people speak to us, then we begin to see what Ephesians 4.29 is talking about. Paul begins with the negative, okay? Let no corrupting talk, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, okay? So that's the negative, and, and it's a command. It's not a suggestion, okay? This is not a, 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 a principle that you can take or leave. As followers of Jesus, you and I are called to let no, zero, words come out of our mouth that are worthless, okay? So that's the first point. We need to reject, let go of, stop using worthless words. The term for corrupt in the New King James Version or corrupting in the English Standard Version, uh, the term for corrupting there is a term that has a wide range of meaning. It, it, can, mean, uh, it can mean worthless. It can mean rotten. It can mean filthy or obscene. It can mean abusive. It can mean sarcastic. It can mean cynical. It can mean uh, a whole range of meanings. It can even take on the connotation, according to classical Greek usage, of uh, applying to someone evil motives when they're trying to do good. Have you ever encountered that? When, when, uh, when you're in a relationship with someone, they're trying to do something good, and, and you look at it from a different kind of lens, and, and, and you ascribe to them bad motives. Well, that is worthless words. And so when Paul says, let no corrupt speech come out of your mouth, he's saying, stop using worthless words. Stop using these words that are worthless. Now, what makes them worthless in the context of this passage? Because in the next phrase, he says, except what is good or beneficial. So worthless words are the opposite of the good words or the beneficial words. When he's talking about worthless words, he's talking about words that, uh, uh, that sound like this. When we use words like this, the clanging and the banging words, the words that destroy, the words that hurt, the words that cause harm, the words that diminish others, the words that make others feel less than what God intends them to feel. Many times we use our words not as a tree of life, not in a way that gives hope and healing, but we use our words to damage, to destroy, to demean, 
to diminish. Now, it happens that we do that most of the time in the relationships that mean the most to us. In other words, I find in my own personal experience and what Paul is doing here in this passage is he's painting a picture of people who are supposed to live in community together. He's painting a picture of people who are in relationship with one another and their purpose is to build each other up. But he has to talk about corrupting words because they've been using their words in such a way that hurts rather than helps. When, when Paul is using this phrase of corrupting words, he's talking to us about our relationships with one another in this church, but also our relationships with those that mean the most to us. And in my own personal experience, what I've discovered is that I reserve my harshest words for my wife. I wish it weren't so, and maybe I'm alone in that journey, but I have, a, I have a feeling that I'm not. The, the words that I share with my wife, I share in a tone and a tenor. And sometimes she says, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And instead of being a tree of life for our relationships, my words become clanging and banging, hurtful instruments that tear down rather than build up. And what happens is we excuse that kind of behavior. We excuse that kind of behavior because we get into a fight. We get into a fight and those with whom we have the closest relationship, we know the words that hurt the most in those relationships. Oh, we, we, we know the words that can create the greatest sting. We know the words that can, that can spark the greatest pain. In the relationships that we have with those closest to us, many times we use our words, as Proverbs 15 says, we use our words as thrusts of a sword rather than using them to build up and to make whole. And so what I'm suggesting is that Paul is attacking every aspect of us using those type of worthless words that diminish, demean, destroy, devastate others. In fact, the language that Paul uses is so very clear. He says in this command, let no corrupting word proceed out of your mouth. The language there gives no room, no excuse for us using words that do this to another. Just take a moment and think. Do you use your words like a hammer? By the way, can, can I just say that when we use our words like a hammer against a hard head, we don't get a good result. In the same way, when we use our words like a hammer against a hard heart, we don't get a good result. We use our words in a worthless way. It produces no positive fruit. 
And so in our relationships with others, whether it's our wife or our husband or our children or our parents or our co-workers or our schoolmates, when we use our words in a worthless way, we are tearing down, not building up. And Paul says, and God says to us, you got to stop it. And there is no room, there is no excuse for a follower of Jesus to use their words in a way that creates a worthlessness. The language of Paul's command, when he uses that word proceed, and then he uses this no with it, he's saying that there is no excuse for using words that do that. None. Now, again, we like to give ourselves a break and say we can do that when people speak ugly to us. If somebody speaks ugly to me, then I have the right to speak ugly back at them. But Paul says, no, you don't. God says, no, you don't. When we encounter words that are doing this to us, we need to take a breath. We need to say a prayer. And before we respond, we need to ask, Lord, is what I'm about to say worthless? And if it is, don't say it. The good news is the Spirit of God is at work in your heart. And in a moment, when you take a breath and you say that prayer, in that moment, Lord, are these words I'm about to say, are they worthless? And if in that moment, the Spirit of God puts a hold on your soul and puts a bridle on your tongue and says, don't say it. That's a beautiful picture of the Word of God as an instrument in the hands of the Spirit of God applying to your life and in your relationships. See, we cannot build healthy relationships if we're using worthless words. So we've got to stop it. In a moment, I'm going to refer to something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Actually, I'm referring to it right now, so I'll go ahead. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said that every careless, reckless, idle word that we use in this life will be held to account in the next do you realize God is going to hold me accountable for every reckless, careless, idle word? It's a different uh, adjective that Jesus uses in Matthew 12, 36, but it has the same idea attached to it. Something that creates harm in the life of another. Guys, stop. Stop using your words like a weapon to tear down, to destroy, to diminish, and to demean. Let no corrupting talk proceed out of your mouth. 
So when we're confronted with those moments, those circumstances in our relationships, where we are tempted to just fly off and speak in response most of the time to what somebody said to us, or when, when we're out in the hallway and, and, and we're tempted to speak about someone else in a way that is malicious or abusive or just plain gossip, understand that we need to stop, take a breath, and say a prayer. Because the words that are about to proceed out of our mouth, God's going to hold us accountable for them. And so we need to pray, oh God, are the words I'm about to say worthless? And if they are, depend on the Spirit of God to put a bridle on your tongue and to stop those words. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And then Paul moves to the positive, all right? So so that's the negative. Stop using worthless words. The positive, however, is this next phrase, but that which is good for necessary edification. But only that which is good for necessary edification. He's still talking about our words. He's saying only use words that build up others. Now, that, that's the second point. We, we need to stop using worthless words, but then we need to use beneficial words that build others up. Beneficial. Now, that's the, that's the term for good, agathos in the Greek. It, it means beneficial, something that is life-giving in this context, something that is, that is uh, helpful, something that is encouraging, something that is supportive. It doesn't mean something that is um, uh, uh, compromising. It, it doesn't mean that we don't share hard truth, but we only share hard truth in a way that is beneficial. See, what I, what, what, what I get sometimes is that people uh, say, well, I am a truth teller. Well, you may be a truth teller and still violating this principle. You're telling your truth in a way that destroys. It doesn't build up. What Paul says is we're supposed to (coughs) share even hard truth in a way that is beneficial, that builds up. And not tear down, but build up. The picture that Paul is painting is referring again back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, where Paul is talking about the body of Christ and how that the body of Christ is being built on the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. So everything that we have in our relationships and everything that we share in our relationships and the words that we speak in our relationships need to flow out of this cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. We're being built up. In the same way as we are being built up as the body of Christ, in our relationships with one another, we should be building others up. Our words that we use should be edifying. Now, building up to what purpose? And that that is the purpose of using our words. The purpose of using our words is to build up. To, to build them up so that they 
discover that God can provide what is lacking in their life. Now, I, I want you to see this because it's, it's not clear in the New King James Version, uh, more so in the ESV. But as we look at this passage, Paul says, okay, so only share the words that are beneficial. And then there's this word necessary edification. Necessary is a, 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 a word that means need. And necessary edification, uh, that phrase means that you want to build them up in such a way that the need or what is lacking in their life is now met. Can I ask you, when, when people are mean to you, why do you think they're mean? When people say ugly things to you or about you, why do you think they do that? <laughs> Well, may not be because they're lost, but, but it could be that they're lost. It could just be that there's something missing in their relationship with Jesus where they are struggling to find hope in the midst of their hurting. It could be, you know, I've discovered in, in my line of work when people are particularly uh, uh, ugly toward me, it's not really personal. Sometimes it is uh, when I don't preach like Charles Stanley. Um, it's not really personal toward me. You know what it is? It's that the people are afraid. Everything around them has changed so much and their life seems out of control. And the only way they know how to respond is with anger or bitterness, and they feel like hope has left them behind. It could be that they're experiencing some, some personal hurts that they don't see that God is speaking to those personal hurts. It could be that, that uh, there's a lack of faith in their life uh, over their circumstances or their relationships, or, or it could be a, a whole host of things. But instead of us responding to someone who's been mean to us with words like that, what Paul says is we need to respond to them in a way that builds them up. That builds them up so that God can speak to their life. So that God can show them that he is working on what is lacking in their soul. You see, that gets the responsibility back on us as followers of Jesus, that, that we respond to people even when we have to tell hard truths. We still respond to them in a way that helps build them up into being more like Jesus. I, I wonder how many of us would stop and and uh, and and try to undo words that we have said when we consider what's lacking in the person's life to whom we're saying them. Instead of just going off, picking up our hammer and pounding away, we need to stop and take a breath 
and say a prayer. Lord, by your Spirit, will you show me what words I can share with this loved one that will, that will build them up to be more like you. And just think about how, how different your relationship will be. Regardless of how they speak to you, if you just stop, take a breath, and pray, Oh God, by your Spirit will you show me what words I can share in response to what they've said or done to me, what words I can share that will help my loved one grow up to become more like Jesus. How can I build them up, not tear them down? Again, this is where we have to leave ego at the door because ego gets in the way. Our ego gets in the way where we want to respond with a barrage of pounding words. We need to submit our ego to the Spirit of God, and we need to begin by saying, Lord, is what I'm about to say worthless? If it is, let the Spirit of God put a bridle on your tongue and then follow it up. Oh, Lord, what can I say to this person that will build them up so that they become more like Jesus? And then let the Spirit of God lead your words. You might say, well, I have no idea what to say to someone who says certain things to me. Then don't say anything. Now, this isn't the Bible, but it is. I can find it in Proverbs, but it sounds a little bit different. But, you know, there is an old adage that my mama taught me. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Y'all heard that? Maybe it was Thumper on, it was Thumper on Bambi. Well, you know, that, that, that's a good Disney quote, but it is in Proverbs chapter 17. Sometimes it's better just to remain silent and wait for Jesus to give you the right words to build them up. So the purpose of our words, every word that we use, the purpose of every word that we use is for our words to be beneficial to build up others. But then Paul adds another phrase, to give grace to its hearers. So Paul says that the purpose of our words is to, to build others up. So we need to use beneficial words that build up others. The third principle that we find in this passage is that we need to use beneficial words that give grace to others. And giving grace is different than building up. And giving grace uh, moves along the same lines, but you know, grace is a big word in the Bible. Grace is a huge word in the Bible. In the Hebrew, uh, grace is a picture of the steadfast love of God, uh, and that's hesed. But grace is also a picture of God stooping over in an act of kindness to someone who doesn't deserve it. That's the Hebrew, hain. In the New Testament, grace is charis, 
And it takes on that Old Testament connotation, but it wraps it up in the person of Jesus. And it's really the picture of what we celebrated last week, (laughs) Easter weekend. That God, in an act of rescuing love, moved towards sinners who didn't deserve his love. And in an act of his kindness, of his favor, he sent Jesus to die in our place upon a cross, to suffer the indignities and the pain and the sorrow that our sin demanded and that we deserve to feel. He sent Jesus to take the weight of our sin and the guilt of our sin and the shame of our sin, and Jesus took it all upon the cross and he died in our place there so that we might live because he died for us. Guys, that's grace. The acronym for grace that I learned when I was probably a teenager, God's riches at Christ's expense. God, G, God's riches are at a Christ's, C, expense grace. Grace is a huge word in Scripture. And in uh, Paul's letter to the believers at Ephesus, it it is still a huge word. And, and, And as we look at this idea to give grace to, our, to its hearers, what we're seeing is Paul shows us a second purpose of our words. Our words must be beneficial not only to edify, but also to give grace. So how do we be, how, how can we become dispensers of this grace? Now, obviously, the big picture of grace is something that only God can give. But it's also something that we've received. And when we become more like Jesus and we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we become ambassadors of God's grace so that our words produce God's enabling, empowering work in the lives of those whom we love. So our words are not merely used to build up so that others might become more like Jesus, but also to enable them to live in the power of God in the midst of their circumstances. So when we're on the receiving end of worthless words. Our natural response is to, res- is to, is to speak to those that have, have used those worthless, rotten words toward us in a way that, that shows them that we can use the same sword thrusts that they've used. That's our natural response, but because we're followers of Jesus and the Spirit of God resides within us, we must not give way to that natural response, but rather we should be a people living supernaturally in our everyday life and in our relationships so that when we are on the receiving end of those pounding, clanging, banging, chaotic words, we stop 
We take a breath and we pray. Oh God, what words can I say today to this one that I love that will enable them to live by your power, to live in your presence, to live according to your purpose. I wonder, I wonder how our relationships will look differently when we take seriously the words we use. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, he said, make no mistake, every idle word that you use, every reckless, careless word, you'll be held accountable, you'll be held accountable for. If we really believe that God's Word is true, then we're going to be a little bit more serious in how we respond with our words and our relationships. And we will stop using words that are worthless and we'll start using words that edify and give grace. This morning, my hope for us is that God would so take hold of our hearts that we would speak gracious words, that we would speak edifying words, that we would speak beneficial, life-giving words. But for that to happen, in the midst of of our days, and in our conversations, in our relationships. We need to stop. We need to take a breath. And we need to pray. Oh God, are the words I'm about to say worthless? If they are, allow the Spirit of God to put a bridle on your tongue. Stop, take a breath, and pray. Oh God, what words can I say right now that will build up the one I love so that they become more like Jesus? Stop, take a breath, and pray. Oh God, what words can I share with this one that I love? to enable them to live in your presence by your purpose and by your power? How can I share with them words that will make them hunger for you and thirst for you and long for you? Make no mistake, our words matter. 
and our words matter to God. And there is no excuse for a follower of Jesus to use worthless words. So stop, take a breath, and pray that you would use your words in such a way that they would build up the other person in your relationship so that they are led on a path to become more like Jesus so that what is lacking in their life might be met by Christ. And ask God to show you what words you can share with that person with whom you have a relationship that will make them, point them to God's power and His purpose and His presence in their lives. I don't know much about, uh, about relationships. I really don't. I, I just know by blowing it so many times. But I know that God knows best about relationships. And He desires to use your words and mine to build something healthy in us and in our relationships with one another. So stop Take a breath and pray.